You're listening to the Life After Gambling podcast, the show where we share real-life experiences, stories and insights of addiction and recovery. Join us as we speak to those who have walked this path before, delving deep into the many different experiences of recovery. Welcome to the Life After Gambling podcast. I'm Steve, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Ben. Ben, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me. Really good to to have you on, and a familiar voice for me. We, um, for those who don't know, we do host a radio show together, so it's quite good that we've got the visuals this time to match the voice as well. So, really good to see you, Ben. Yeah, you too, mate. So podcast focuses on on different recovery experiences uh, what we always like to start by asking the guest is it's important that we get the right terminology so how do you sort of describe yourself is it a person in recovery a person in long-term recovery have you class yourself as recovered what what does that look like for you <laughs> it depends who i speak to to be honest but if i if i'm speaking to people who are uh, aware of, of of gambling harm and what happens i normally just say i'm a i'm a person in recovery um and that's been coming up to five years now so five years in recovery for me brilliant and well done on that as well <laughs> and so let's go back in time to five years how did you first find recovery and what did that look like for you so my recovery in in many ways was my hand was forced. I knew for a while that I wanted to stop and I needed to stop, but I had no idea where to get support. And I was so dependent on on gambling that I couldn't even think of where I where I should begin. But uh, as 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 you know, Steve, I uh, had been stealing money from work and and I'd been caught into the office, and they had told me that they had. Uh, after a couple of years of me doing it, they had realised what was going on and uh, they know that I've been stealing money. And that was really the moment my recovery started. I had a bet on at that moment um, for later that later that day. Um, and that was the last bet I I placed because I, I had that meeting. And, and after that meeting, uh, I was suspended. And yeah, it was pretty clear that there was going to be the police involved and and I was going to go to prison, um, probably go to prison. So my recovery started then um, in, in terms of I handed over access to all my bank accounts to, to my partner and uh, told her what was going on. And I had physically no money to gamble. So the very first few days of my recovery was just me not being able to gamble because I had no money. And I was in such a bad state mentally, but I, uh, you know, I, I didn't really seek help or, or do anything like that. I just physically couldn't gamble. And then as as time went on, I started to um, think that I, I, I should get some proper support. So first port of call is I went to my GP, I got put on some antidepressants and some anti-anxiety tablets. And I just took it day by day from there, really. I, I never engaged in... Uh, formal support through the National Gambling Treatment Service and, and the NHS gambling clinics weren't really around then. I think maybe right. there was one opening at that point. 
Um, so really, I was on my own. So my recovery looked like um, me just sat at home, not really doing much. And I started to, to look for other people who had lived experience. So I started okay. to search the internet for other people that were in the same position. I came across yourself because yeah. it was around the time your case was in the news. And um, I took a lot of, of comfort in many ways from seeing uh, that there were other people in, in my shoes. And I started to listen to podcasts. I started to reach out to some of the organizations that work in this sector and, and offered my time and, and just to come and tell my, my story. And, and that's how I, I really recovered, was me telling my story, sharing my experience. Uh, I did end up having some counseling. Um, but it was it was formal counselling based on uh, on unresolved grief from childhood, okay. which I think was linked to my gambling. Um, so I never had really any specific treatment around my gambling. It was all just me listening to podcasts, getting that peer support, and, and telling my story. Really, that's that's how I recovered. Yeah, thanks, Ben. There's so much there that want to sort of unpick if i can but yeah thank you for thank you for sharing it and just really interested to go back to that time of you know you've gone from gambling i'm assuming on a on a regular basis to all of a sudden having to <laughs> completely stop um you know then facing your employers having that conversation having that conversation obviously with you know with your wife as well you know how how are you feeling at that time you know right at that very start Partly it was relief um, because, like I said, I, I had wanted to stop. Um, I had tried to stop, um, to kind of get an informal um, support. So I had previously attended GA meetings earlier that year, but it hadn't um, stuck for, for whatever reason. So, yeah, partly I was relieved and I had this weight off my shoulder. Um, but on the other side of things... I was in, I was in a terrible state mentally. Um, obviously, I just told my partner what was going on. I was losing my job. Didn't know what the future held. Um, how much of that was withdrawal from gambling because I couldn't gamble anymore, and how much of that was just the realization that actually I'm gonna end up in prison. And and you know you know what you're thinking at that time. You're thinking, oh, my wife's gonna leave me. I'm gonna lose the kids. Yeah. And all that stuff. So how much of it was that and how much of it was not gambling, I, I don't know. But all I know is I was a complete mess. I was I was broken. I was like a broken man at that point. And you mentioned there about like the irrational thoughts that, you know, we have at that stage. How mm -hmm. how did you like how did you cope with them? How did you deal with them? Uh not um not particularly well, I'll be honest. The in, in fact, the day it happens, my 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 response or my my first instinct, where you know they talk about fight or flight, um, you know when, when you're backed into the corner, and when they had this, when I had this interview at work, I didn't actually go home. I I rang my partner and told her, and I walked from my work into town centre and and. My plan was to walk and, and just go and live on the streets um, right. because I thought, well, she's not going to want me there. Um, 
I don't want to face my family. I don't want to to have to do all that. That was the hardest thing was telling my family. So I thought, well, I'm just going to walk to town. I'm going to I'm going to live on the streets, and, and that's going to be my life from now on. Um, and it was only later that day where because I still had my phone on me, my my wife rang me and told me to come home, and and we slowly started to 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 rebuild from there. But it was it was tough. It was a long slog. Um, it was probably three months before I left the house again. Right. Before I felt able to leave the house because I worked really close to where I lived. So the fear of going out and bumping into someone from work was, you know, crippling. So it took a long time, but slowly but surely I I, I started to leave the house. I got back into work. But, but yeah, it was a it was a tough old three months. And you mentioned there about then going online and looking for similar stories so mm-hmm. individuals with lived experience to you know maybe you give you that that little bit of hope what was it that kind of flicked in in you know that mindset to actually think well i'm going to go online and have a look now i think part of it was that i was curious like i when i was stealing money from work i had no idea even what crime I was committing in terms of was it theft, was it fraud? I that wasn't a conscious thought of mine. And the other thing I didn't know was what type of sentence I was going to get. For all I know, it could have been twenty years in prison. So I first started to do it um, to try and just, I guess, feel out what my sort of punishment was going to be. Um, so I, I specifically looked at people who. Had gambling addiction and had committed crime um, and started and I didn't know how much money I'd stolen at this point but looking looking through the people I, I could see roughly you know I'm looking at three four years something like that and um, and then when I looked into that that started to make me feel a bit better because like I said for all I knew it could have been twenty years so yeah knowing it was going to be three or four years and then half of that again made me gave me a bit of comfort actually and a bit of hope that once it happens I will be able to move on with my life so um so that's what I started to do and then what I actually found is that a lot of these people had gone on to do really good things and they'd worked they work in this industry and they share their story and um, they'd made a success out of out of that difficult period so that's when I knew what I wanted to do no brilliant it's yeah really 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 inspirational and that's it. And what you mentioned there, obviously, is in that lead up to sentencing um, and part of your recovery, you know, you, you spent in prison, you know, similar to myself. How, mm-hmm. how was that being being in recovery, but also being being in prison? Uh, it was. It was strange because it, it took a year between me entering recovery and, and me being sentenced it was almost a year to the day so by that point in my life or in my recovery I had built up some really good support networks around me I was feeling better I was in a much better place so when I went into custody obviously all that was removed from me and I had the stress of worrying about my partner and, and the kids and, and whatnot um and I also had the fact that I couldn't really access a whole lot of support in prison. So I, I did end up going to an AA meeting. Yeah. Um, uh, so I went there for about three months to, to AA meetings. And it was 
I felt like an alien in that room a lot of the time because they were talking about obviously alcohol and drugs and and I was there talking about gambling and and in some ways it was a a bit of a joke to some of them like um it, you know the questions you get like oh what was the the biggest bet you ever placed how much did you win and and I think for it, it was hard for them to comprehend but yeah I was gambling for the same reason that they were drinking and and the effects um the the side effects in terms of uh you know not being able to sleep and focus and all that stuff was is is very similar so that was a bit strange for me because there was no one really who understood gambling in the same way that that I did so it was it was very strange but I made the most of it and I and I did what I could but um but yeah the, the hardest thing about prison and recovery is as you know gambling is such a normal part of everyday life in prison yeah. you know alcohol and drugs you're not supposed to be able to get in prison although again it's not always a reality but gambling is so readily accessible because you don't really need anything you don't need to smuggle anything in you've you're just betting what little you have yeah um so that was always tough that was always um tough for me to to adjust to because a big part of the social circles in, in prison were based around gambling as well so you know poker nights or or betting on the the horse racing and, and stuff so yeah it was a bit more difficult especially at the start to say no I, I can't do that and this is why eventually they started to understand um, and they stopped asking but the first couple of months was do you want to bet on this do you want to bet on this and and, and yeah, it was a very strange environment to be in in recovery for sure. And how how did you how did you find that? But constantly being asked, to like you know, as someone in recovery, being asked to keep placing a, a bet. Um, the, the the thing for me is it just no one really understood it. Like I said, like no one under, understood. So I, I tried to explain it. Like if I was you know suffering with alcoholism you wouldn't encourage that person to take a drink and it, and it's the same with me like you know i've suffered with gambling disorder um the worst thing i can do in, in here is place a bet and um so i was frustrated at times that people weren't um weren't understanding that but i think it's kind of um just a reflection on how gambling addiction was seen in society at that time it just wasn't known people didn't understand it so yeah it was it was tough but like i say towards the end later on it did get a bit easier people did start to understand so it was nice to see that change but are you, are you also in a are you also in a better place at that stage as well like how are you, how are you dealing with that like in, internally like are you able to like like you said, you've, you've explained the reason no, and then you keep getting asked and asked. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that obviously being extremely frustrating. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of like that, is it any urges to, to gamble or are you able to safely say, look, no? Yeah, I, I have to say when, when I was in custody, there was, there was no urges to gamble at all. That, that, that side of things was very easy for me. Like I had no intention on gambling. Um, and partly... I think partly because I'd been in recovery a year, but also because when when I used to gamble, it it was with with a, 
a fair bit of money and, and betting a Mars bar just wasn't going to do anything for me anyway. So, um, so no, I, yeah, there was no urges at all, um, actually, which is, uh, which, which is a real positive because, yeah. um, yeah, because I, I don't know, I don't know how I would have coped with the constant pressure if I had have also been fighting back the urge to gamble. Um, but that wasn't really, wasn't really a, a factor for me. Yeah. And, Obviously, the prison sentence does come to an end. Although at the time, once we're in there, we feel as though it's not going to happen. We do, we do get there in the end and do get released. How did you then deal with that transition of you know being stuck in prison? And I believe your time was during COVID as well, so you were probably uh -huh. stuck in your cell a lot longer. Of then yeah. coming back into you know everyday life. Um. Well, it was a strange new world because I think we were actually um, in lockdown as a country when I was released as well. So it was it was strange because, you know, going to the shops and having to queue outside and people wearing masks. So it was it was like a, there'd been like an apocalypse while I was gone. Um, I felt like someone from The Walking Dead where where I, I wake up out of a coma and, and this the world's just, yeah. you know, completely different. So um, but no, actually, I adjusted. Uh, back into family life and, and to being out pretty pretty well I think um, I got back into work pretty quickly um, yeah I, I guess I, I, I was only in there 13 months so not that much had changed um, on, on the outside so yeah I, I, I think I, I settled in quite quickly and, um, and adjusted relatively well um, and yeah and obviously I've, I've got a great a, a great family around me as well so that made that transition a bit easier if i didn't have somewhere to go and you know i ended up in a shared accommodation or, or something like that then you know it would have been different but coming back home was was really nice yeah i think we we sometimes tend to maybe take for granted that you know that first level of basic needs don't we like shelter <laughs> food water then connection all of that stuff and you know yeah. similar story to you in in that respect of really grateful to come home to you know lovely family home and stuff and i think that really does help when we're talking about recovery that you've got them basic needs being met um so i can completely resonate with that in, in in terms of looking at maybe some of those other needs you know just come out of prison um in terms of sort of then building on the work that you've done in your recovery, what did that then look like for you? I know you mentioned that you then start to look to get a job and what other sort of things did you start to sort of do? Yeah. So I, I like I said, because I never really had, um, although I did have bits of peer support uh, in terms of online groups and uh, a little bit of counseling, I didn't feel like I needed um, any additional support in my recovery at that time in terms of formal treatment or that. The big thing for me was, was getting back in, into employment so I thought I could provide um, for the family and just to get that routine and uh, and stuff. So I, I started looking for, for jobs pretty quickly. Um, and that, you know, it was, it was tough because there, there were job roles um, that I was getting rejected for, um, presumably, uh, and of course they don't tell you, but presumably because of the record, because of the criminal record, because they're, they're jobs that... Realistically, my criminal record shouldn't make a, the slightest bit of different at all difference yeah. at all. So, when when I was getting knocked back for agency work and stuff like that, it was really 
character. It was really frustrating. Um, I, I I do remember being thinking, will I ever will I ever get a, a meaningful career? Um, and at this point, I was just looking for a job. Any job would do, but ultimately, I wanted to get back into a career um, because one of my triggers, I know for sure, is is financial difficulty. Right. So I knew it was really important that I did get into employment and earn money and, and have the option um, to progress and and to make a good living. Otherwise, that was always going to be a risk factor for me. Um, and eventually, I say eventually, it was only about three months later, I did actually land a job. Not only not only a job, but a job in the gambling recovery sector, um, which is what I knew that I wanted to do long term. So yeah, I was really happy with that. Um, and it made the all the setbacks from you know, agency work and delivery driver work, it made it all worth it just to get that role. No, that's yeah, and that's brilliant. And you're still there today, that's right. Yep, still there. Um uh I've progr- I've, I've changed roles a couple of times. I've um I've I feel like I've I've thrived um brilliant. since since I got like, like when I when I was younger, um it always I, I always felt like I, I had a drive and a passion and I was did pretty well at whatever I did, whether it was school or work. And I lost a lot of that with gambling. I lost a lot of self-confidence. Um, I lost my feelings of self-worth. Um, but going back to that job and progressing as I have been, it's really brought those things back, which is probably the most rewarding bit of my recovery, actually, is is having that self-confidence again. That's amazing. I was then going to ask, is there any other factors so obviously the jobs had a, a huge impact in respect mm-hmm. to that but are there any other things that you've sort of embedded back into your life that really help and support you know prove confidence build self-esteem that type of thing um one thing i do get told quite often now and and um it was from my um my dad's my dad's partner a few weeks ago is is that she is really enjoying get getting to know me again because right. those couple of years that I knew her beforehand I was so antisocial I wouldn't speak with anyone and I, I just wanted to be left alone the whole time um so when people come up to me and they say stuff like that it makes me realize that actually I am more like the person I used to be and I do and that obviously gives me great confidence and, and self-belief as well. Um, and then the job's going well and my family life is going well. So, um, so yeah, nothing specific other than that, I don't think, um, in terms of the, the self-confidence and worth. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm in such a better place now than I was uh, at this time five years ago, definitely. I think it's quite nice when you have those little moments like you've just mm-hmm. explained because they kind of challenge that limiting belief that we may have had and may kind of been holding on to, like, you know, I don't feel worthy in the self-esteem element. Whereas if you've got that comment from someone else, it immediately challenges it and think, actually, I've got fact and proof here. And, the you know, the, the brain obviously believes that and you're hearing it from someone else. So it then reinforces that thing of actually, do you know what? You know, I start to build confidence build self-esteem so i always like hearing about those those little anecdotes those little <laughs> stories because re- i think they're it's true isn't it you know if, if you hear it from someone else as well i think it's even more powerful mm-hmm. yeah for sure um one thing just wanted to to ask in terms of like your recovery period do you have any sort of 
non-negotiables or any musts so things that you feel as though you have to do or must do I think the the, the biggest thing for me in my recovery um, that, that really helps me is having someone to hold me accountable um, right. so for me that's my that's my wife and what I mean by that is um I have my own bank account now, um, which is something that I, I struggled with afterwards because of, of of the conviction. But she has full access to it. Our wages go into the same account. Um, she can see every penny I spend. Um, and for me, having that accountability, because I know I would never take that money and go and gamble while she can see it. Um, yeah. No matter how bad things are going, if she can see where my money is going, I, I'm never going to go and gamble. So for me, that's the single biggest thing. Um, that I that I have to have in my recovery is is that person to hold me accountable because if she couldn't see my bank account and I was having a bad day or going through a tough time, you know, would I go? Maybe maybe I would get into a position where where I could go and gamble, but knowing that I was going to immediately get caught is not worth it for me. So so yeah, that's that's the big thing for me definitely. Yeah, and I, and I think for I think that's a really good point and a really good good thing for people who may be maybe listening and considering different barriers etc i think if you do have someone who can take over your finances then yeah absolutely i think you've just you've spoken how well that can work and the impact it can have on someone's recovery um ben what's one thing you found in your recovery that's made the biggest impact i think the the biggest thing that I have found um, in, in my recovery is the power of peer support. So um, I know we talk about GA as the traditional route, and that's not the route I've gone down, but I get peer support from a number of different different avenues, whether it's podcasts, you know, listening to other people's stories or, or coming on and telling my own story. Um, a lot of the people I work with um i've been through the same thing as me so i think surrounding myself with people who who have been through what i've been through and understand it is, is so powerful i i, I absolutely and, and you from the radio show that we do I, I just love speaking to people with lived experience um i love hearing people's stories and you can learn something from everyone everyone's recovery is slightly different but you know we can probably all learn something from from every person in recovery so yeah that's something that's really been impactful for me yeah absolutely I'll, I'll echo that and one thing that you've learned about yourself through recovery <laughs> one thing that I've learned for myself so yeah the, the thing that I've learned about myself is um that's a tricky question to be fair <laughs> that's that is a tricky question to answer on the spot I think um the, the one thing that that I definitely definitely have learned about myself is um, that I am more robust than I think, and I, I because um, we've gone through a lot of adversity in the last couple of years, and, and not just with the gambling, with other things that have gone on. But we we keep bouncing back, and and that resilience um, that I've embedded in into myself now wasn't wasn't there before I entered recovery. But having gone through what I've been through. Um, I've just got so much more resilience and, and that's probably the, the thing that I, I've learned is that I can handle a lot and, and bounce back. 
and yeah what a great great thing to learn and also as well like on that mate is that again it's it's great that you've learned it but you've also contributed to that as well through all of the things that you've suggested you know all of those needs that you've you know you've met all of those additional things that you've put in place mm -hmm. all of the things that help you to then become resilient so you know you have taken action at a point there as well so just wanted to yeah just say that i think that's yeah re really really good um in terms of the next part so thank you for sharing that with us um really really yeah inspirational as someone like like you've just said just listening to other individuals and their experience similar to what you said i'll get loads from it so i just wanted to thank you yes um, the, the next round that round the next part is slightly uh different in terms of we wanted to bring a more human element to the show so it's a little bit fun it's to learn a little bit more about you it's nothing too serious like it's uh, th this or that round so i'm going to give you two options sort of tea or yeah. coffee and you obviously tell me which one you'd prefer so okay. he here we go so pasta or pizza pizza what topping Mm, I like spicy, like jalapeno, spicy chicken, that sort of stuff. Don't mind the chicken, can't do the spice. Uh, <laughs> savory or sweet? Sweet. Summer or winter? Summer. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Favourite place you've been? St. Lucia. Oh, sounds lovely. Uh, sunrise <laughs> or sunset? Sunset. Apple or Android? Apple. Apple. Have you gone back to try and use an Android since? Yeah, I, can't, I don't know how to work it out. I'm too old, so stick with Apple. Huh? Yeah, I know. Crazy. <laughs> uh, the, the, the next couple are a little bit, uh, little bit deeper, but not too deep. So yeah. would you rather be known as a kind person or be known as a resourceful person? Mm. My first instinct is kind. We'll go with that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Would you rather be better at writing or better at speaking? Speaking. Well, you're already good at speaking. Look, you're you're hosting a radio show. Do you know what I mean? Oh, what you mean? What I can if if it's about improving writing because my handwriting is terrible as we found out oh, in prison it? when no one could understand what I wrote. So yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. If I if I had to pick one to improve now, it would be writing for sure. That that's quite in interesting, isn't it? Because like for me, when you go back to that prison days of writing letters, I can't remember the last time before that where I'd actually physically wrote a letter out. I, I don't think I ever, uh, since I left school, I don't think I've used a pen. And, and I used to, it used to take me about three days to write a letter because my hand would cramp up after a paragraph. So yeah, it wasn't, uh, um, it was just getting better, I think, by the time I left. And then, and now, now if you gave me a pen, I wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, would you rather be on the front line or would you rather help in the background? help in the background okay thank you that that was yeah that's the final question so there's no more that's as deep as it goes <laughs> so thank you for for answering them like i said just a bit of fun just to learn a little bit more about you ben and then finally in terms of the 
the, the episode, we've got one, one final question. And, and that is, what would you like to say to the younger version of Ben? Could be the younger version of in childhood, could be the younger version of Ben whilst gambling, could be even at different stages of your recovery. It's, it's up to you. But what message would you like to say? Uh, to the younger me. I would probably not go to university if I if I could speak to my younger self, get a get a career, specialise in it early, and um, and yeah, go from there. I feel like uh, those three years at uni is when my gambling really took hold because I, I lost interest and motivation. And maybe if I'd have taken a different path, um, I wouldn't have gone through the struggle that I had. Although I quite often say that. I wouldn't necessarily change what happened to me because of where I am now. So it's a it's a tough one, but yeah, I I would say skip out the uni, get a get a good job and career, um, and and, and work my way up because I can do it because I, I feel like I, I've I've got the ability to do that. So yeah, that's probably what I would say. Brilliant, thank you. Well, you've just said it to the younger version of Ben. So <laughs> there, there you go. Um, brilliant. Well, it's been really good having you on, Ben. Thank you for sharing, you know, your experiences, playing along with the this or that round as well with us. Um, we'll get the show uploaded. Um, we'll, we'll also link into some of the. We put some show notes, so we'll also link into some of the podcasts. We'll we'll speak after this, but some of the podcasts that you listen to. So if people want to mm-hmm. go and listen to some of the stuff that you listen to, we'll provide links to the, that those podcasts as well. Sure. Um, so thank you for coming on the show um, and I know we'll catch up again quite soon yeah cheers thank you for having me thanks for listening to another episode of the Life After Gambling podcast keep up to date with all the latest by connecting with us at reframecoaching.org.uk join us again next time as we bring you more real life experiences of recovery